I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we are extremely excited to have one of Seventeen Magazine's Voices of the Year in 2020, actress and activist Malia Baker. Botswana-born and Canadian-raised, Malia is most recognizable for her standout performance in Netflix hit series The Babysitter's Club, where she plays fan favorite Marianne Spear. She also starred in Nickelodeon's reimagined horror anthology classic Are You Afraid of the Dark? and is a lead in Lifetime's film Caught in His Web, executive produced by Whoopi Goldberg. She is also in Miramax's forthcoming dramedy, Harvest Moon, with Paul Bettany, Carmen Ujogo, and Candace Bergen. Welcome, Malia! Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're super excited to have you here. It sounds like you had a pretty exciting morning so far. So (laughs) you want to tell our listeners where you are currently? Yeah, I'm currently in the business center of my hotel where I'm filming. There are people at the window and they are waving at me. So this is is fun. You know, I'm at their computer. This has been a journey so far. I'm happy to be here, though. (laughs) That's fantastic. I don't know. Uh, this, apparently, we, we won't out them, but there's a hotel chain that has a problem with Google Chrome. And so we, <laughs> Malia is nothing if not resourceful. And, you know, that's what the business center's for. You're conducting business. So Very true. Very glad true. Glad you're there. I hope you've been able to have breakfast. I have. I have. I okay. have had that. Thank God. Good. Thank you. Excellent. Was it a good Was it a good hotel breakfast? It Did was you a get- good hotel breakfast. I had good coffee, too. So I was satisfied. You know, that's uh, the best start to the morning. Excellent. Excellent. Well, wait, you two, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. I'm Malia Baker, activist. I'm a huge bookworm and a music buff. Ah, very nice. (laughs) If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps people find us. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Oh, okay. <laughs> so much promo. Um, <laughs> so obviously, Malia, we're going to ask you a lot about the BSC in the show, but first we'd like to get to know you a little more. Um, We know you're super passionate about using your platform for social justice, and you have a huge following, especially for a 14-year-old. Incredible. (laughs) Um, How do you decide what topics to champion, and how do you balance sort of your work online with your real work or real life? (laughs) Sure, exactly. Totally. Um, So usually with um, platforms that I want to boost up or just issues that I want to raise awareness to, it honestly all depends on what I'm focused on at that moment. There are just so many things, and it can vary from so many different issues and um, topics feelings that change over time, um, that there's, you're able to touch and reach upon them at different moments in your life. And right now, I'm kind of focused on missing and murdered indigenous women in Canada. That's been a really big issue right now. Not even right now, since before yeah. I was even born. Um, so I've been trying to highlight that. As she's the first, I've had the honor of working with them and Girl Up. Um, and just really working on women empowerment. So far, that's where my head's at. But it's going to change in a few years, I bet. Um, this is never going to stop. So here we are just trying to have your little piece of homage to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. I, I think it's also, I mean, there's a reason that you were named, you know, uh, <laughs> the 17s, you know, voices of the year. I think it's really uh, inspiring to see you put put your identity as activist up at the top of your bio, you know, and that that's mm-hmm. something that you mentioned straight away all the time. And what, how kind of how I imagine it has to do a little bit with your how you were raised and how you grew mm-hmm. up like how how did how did that kind of become such a central part of your identity yeah so uh, I mean I feel like being an activist quote-unquote is something that you can't even name yourself it's something that you kind of have to have handed to you I would feel re- I, I can't even still imagine that I'm able to do this or able to actually use my voice for things that I care about especially at this young age and with a platform like I have it's fun and 
Um, it's something that I enjoy doing and it's something that's important. And I feel like if we have that platform, it's almost your responsibility to choose how you want to use it. And I've just chosen to use it in a way where I don't have to take pictures of myself like every weekend and do a lot of the influencer type things. It's not something that comes natural to me. So I'm um, just doing this and being where I am. It's something that I'm really grateful for. But um, I feel like it's a learning curve and everyone is learning along the way. Um, and just growing up, having these amazing people and a lot of amazing women in my life, they've kind of shaped me into who I am today. My mom and my aunties and my grandmas and blah, 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 my family. Um, <laughs> shout out to them, I guess. Um, but yeah, just having them in my life kind of built me up to be able to use my voice. That's awesome. I love that. I actually have a follow-up question about that because it seems like the the pressure to do the influencer thing, like that, that is part of your professional obligation. It feels like as an actor, mm-hmm. like you do have to put, you, you do have to put some pictures of yourself up, right? Like right. you, and, and I think that that, I think all three of us are, you know, grateful that we're not teenagers now because of some of those particular social media pressures and like how, given that you said that doesn't come naturally to you, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you get yourself to do that part of it? Because of course I know you're passionate about acting and passionate about the work you do maybe less so about the promotion stuff like that that comes around it. So how do you get yourself to do that part? That's a really good question. I don't think I've gotten many of that question because it was such a big (laughs) struggle at the first of it, Um, the start of everything. I absolutely hated, you know, taking pictures, being having to like take selfies every day and put myself out there. I'm Mm -hmm. a very closed off person in real life. I have my guard up and I recognize it about myself. I've accepted it, but still needing to learn more. Um, But I feel like with social media, I can be a great tool and, um, I'm usually the consumer of that portion. Uh, mm. But when I got into this arena or this um, industry, I remember my dad saying, do it for the art, do it for the work that you love, do it for the passion you have for it compared to all the things that come along with it. Because mm-hmm. yes, there are some amazing things that come along with it. Um, but sometimes they're not as fun as actually working and doing the things that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have some amazing things that come along with it. Some amazing people I've gotten to talk to and those have been fun. But social media wise, I still am trying to learn every day. It's not something that I feel like it's going to stop. But the moment when I stop doing everything, I know, I think I'll know that I've made it when I don't need to do anything more than yeah. just the work. I mean, right? Social media is such a living beast too. It's For like, sure. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Changing all the time and expectations 100%. of it changing. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, related to your platform, I got to ask, you know, as the psychologist, I got to ask you the psychologist question. So <laughs> I was waiting for you, this one. <laughs> you've been, you know, you've done remarkable work in fighting stigma and been really open about your own struggles with anxiety and depression and chronic regional pain syndrome and kind of what made you want to share your mental health story? Because that's a whole other ball of wax other than just championing causes that are important to you. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. I totally agree. Um, at first, I was really, really nervous to share everything that had been going on through my life. I mean, when you have a platform like that, and as many people and, you know, with BSC, I feel like there's been a lot of younger viewers that I've gotten. And I'm mm-hmm. so happy that I'm able to share with them and kind of expose them into kind of the harsher realities of social media is not perfect all the time. And people have their bad sides along with their good sides. And um, along with social media, they just post the things that make them happy and you don't get to see the full story. So don't compare your life to theirs because mm-hmm. it's not really the truth when you think about that. Mm-hmm. That was a thing that I needed to learn a really, really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my little sister, you know, I have her in my life and I'm just trying to trying to do her proud in a way um, of being her role model and being a role model for BSC fans who I also view as kind of like the little sister kind of region. Mm-hmm. Um, and so out speaking about depression or anxiety and having to live with them instead of struggle with them. Um, it's something that I've had to learn and I'm still learning, especially trying to balance everything in this industry, along with being a grade 10 student, you know, just started pre-calc. So it's not doing too well in that arena. Um, but here we are. Um, and I just feel like I need to speak upon it because I'd rather be someone that people can look up to than someone that they discover has the same thing as them. And um, they've been hiding it all this time as a way to feel kind of almost a burden or ashamed or something like that because you can't be what you can't see. So I guess it's kind of my mindset towards the whole mental health stigma. That's fabulous. 
yeah. We we talk so much about the sibling dynamics in Stony Brook. I think that's oh a fitting, a fitting um, and worthy transition to <laughs> ma- yeah. making you talk about the BSC. <laughs> so we ask all of our guests who come on the podcast about their history with the Babysitters Club. So mm-hmm. did you read the books before you were cast? When did you read them? What book did you read first? What sort of When did the Babysitter's Club come to you and how? Yeah, so my mom was a huge fan of the books. Like She had been this ginormous fan. I remember her talking about it when I was younger, but I didn't pay any mind to it. She'd always refer to herself as being a Dawn, and I was so confused. (laughs) I was like this eight-year-old kid saying, who the heck is Dawn? And so I did my research, and she was talking to me about it more, and the whole time she was jabbering in my ear you don't know about the babysitter's club i raised you wrong and i'm like oh my god <laughs> calm down i think i'll learn it's okay um but yeah i discovered the babysitter's club books i actually before i left for filming i found this huge box of babysitter's club books in my barn because i live on this farm and it's just like all of my mom's original copies and awesome. i know it felt like i hit the jackpot you know there was the marianne books and everything was organized perfectly she must have been a part Marianne that she was younger. I don't know what Dawn she's talking about. Oh, Dawn's um, organized. Dawn's very organized. No, very, books. very, very true. You're totally true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, that's how it kind of came into my life. And from then I haven't been able to stop reading them. I mean, they're just so relatable and so addictive. And now being able to play the character that I related to the most feels like a surreal dream come true. It, to this day, I don't, I can't even fathom that it's my reality. I love imagining your mom saying I'm a Don as like just a, an, as a self-evident answer to like a <laughs> right. question that you ask her. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so you've already said you relate the most to Marianne. Why do you re- relate the most to Marianne? Yeah. So I feel like Marianne, she's kind of growing into herself and throughout the first season, even the show, um, you kind of see her, she doesn't know where she's at. She can't really find herself. You know, her dad's still making her wear braids for crying out loud and her wheeled bag that's orthopedically sound allegedly (laughs) and so she just goes through the motions of being a teen into herself and growing and learning um and having marianne now being this biracial character i feel like it's even more relatable to a lot of girls of color that have read the books but can really identify with one of the characters um you know there's claudia and jesse and that's amazing but having those um different kind of compasses of who they relate to emotionally with Marianne. She's shy. She's quiet. She's more than an introvert, but she's also a boss in her own way. Um, and I feel like throughout the first and second season, we see that come in more fruition and throughout the books as well. And um, yeah, I just feel like Marianne, she's been my homegirl from the start. And now <laughs> I get to be a homegirl for someone else. And that's amazing. That is amazing. Do you have a favorite book? Or oh, favorite that's list? a hard question. I think my favorite <laughs> Shoot, my favorite books were the super specials. I love the camp, the camp one. That one was ooh, so amazing. We loved that that episode was included in the first season. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, we fought for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. So, what was it like to meet Anna Martin? I think I cried. Like I'm not even. I'm not even joking. Like there was a tear (laughs) that trickled down my eye that I had to gently say like oh no sorry it's just really hot in here my eyes must be sweating or something you're crying like what are you talking about but she was so sweet I had to take a picture with her we all did oh. um and I remember the first time like I met her we were allegedly standing in the same way and my mom was freaking out she like took a billion photos and I understood why I mean it's Anna Martin so um she's just she's such an incredible human being and she's been extremely involved in the BSC adaptation process and I feel like she needs to be I mean she's a creator of all this brilliantness so um yeah it's it's so crazy to think about but yeah she's she's amazing yeah I yeah we would cry a lot or at least I would I think Emily would too I think she probably would yeah Yeah. I'm a bit of a crier yeah I've been known to cry (laughs) (laughs) Do you, uh, what was your audition like? Do you, do you remember what scene you did and how did you prepare Mm -hmm. for it? I totally, I remember everything from the audition. Like it was yesterday, which is the (laughs) weirdest thing because it's been almost, God, it's been almost three years since I first auditioned. And that seems so strange to say because the second season just released and you know, the outsider's process of seeing everything, it's been such Mm -hmm. a quick turnaround, but for me, it feels like it's been so long and I'm like, Mm -hmm. please, a hundred more seasons, please and thank you. Just get it to work. Um, but my first audition, I remember it was a self-tape. I was 12 years old. I had, This was my first big audition. 
this was my first one on the Netflix, a big company, and it was the Babysitter's Club. So I was freaking out even more. When I first got the audition, my agent told me on the phone, I think I dropped it and ran around the house just to tell my mom. <laughs> and then I came back to the phone and I was like, okay, cool. And my voice yeah. is all cracky from like <laughs> being so excited. Um, but I think the first scene I did was with Mimi which made me even more sentimental oh, because it's yeah. a Mimi. <laughs> and then yeah. what else? There was another one with um, the whole club, which I thought was so cool. And the way that they had written it, it was just so perfect to how our characters are supposed to be portrayed. And um, then we went to LA and I got flown out and I finally met everyone. And it's funny, the people that got cast, we were all sitting on a floor and we had chosen just to speak with each other in between audition takes. And mm. we have photos and videos and there was producers in the audition room that saw us and they were like writing their notes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the day that they told us that our lives are pretty much going to be different from then on out. And it really has. And I'm so grateful for everything that's come along with it. So that's kind of my BSC. Welcome to the club story. That's amazing. Do you remember? Did you wear something Marianne-ish? Oh, totally. They, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. they told us to, they had like mood boards for us costume wise, oh, like very to cool. wear. And the most hilarious thing is that Shay, who plays Stacy and Momo, who plays Claudia, um, Momo, she didn't have shoes for Claudia and they wanted her to have shoes. And she was like, oh, shoot, I'm not going to get the role. But then um, Shay, who plays Stacy, she was like, oh, here, borrow some of mine. Because she brought like this whole closet. And I thought it was so perfect to their characters and how that best friend thing is portrayed. <laughs> and I just thought it was hilarious. And from this day, they're still like that. That's awesome. Okay, so we loved the changes that the team made updating Don and Marianne, especially mm. in terms of representation and what you were just talking about. But also, we know that the internet has not always been super happy about Marianne being biracial. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a patron, actually, who um, Shakita, who wanted us to ask you, were you able to prepare for the reactions, good and bad, to the changes? Or did you have to sort of block out the noise? Yeah. So I remember Sochi and I, who played Don on the first season, um, we had known the changes that were happening and we were happy about them because we were the ones being represented this time, right. obviously. Um, but we also knew that the, there was going to be other people that wasn't going to be so excited about it. Um, and we had been reading reviews about like, uh, this is what people think of the Babysitter's Club and this is their ideal thoughts and like the characters. And so um, I remember them. I think Sochi got it the worst of all. Everyone was saying this is supposed to be like this blonde haired girl from California. And the weirdest part is that they weren't upset that she was Latina. She was They were upset that they had blonde hair. And I was like, do you want to just like dye your hair or something? I don't know. So right. <laughs> it was yeah. just it was just so ridiculous to me. Um, but throughout the first season, I just remember texting each other 24-7, FaceTiming each other. There was that bonding moment 100%. And thankfully, we came out of it on the other side with heads held high and super grateful for all the love that we've received. And throughout it, I feel like it's better to just block it out than accept, kind of entertain it. And yeah, it's it's throughout the second season, we've just gotten love for it, which is so immensely grateful. And I've loved it. Oh my God, people are talking outside. Shh, be quiet. I'm doing a podcast. Unbelievable. It's like, it's like I'm in a hotel or something. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, been, it's been an interesting ride, but it's one that I wouldn't trade for sure. That must have been so nice for or helpful for your on-screen friendship too, to have that 100%. like support network outside of the show for one another. That's mm -hmm. really awesome. Okay. I have to ask you about Logan Bruno. <laughs> this is a serious question Obviously. So, okay so i don't remember having any feelings one way or the other about logan when i read the books mm -hmm. as a child but we've been rereading them for the podcast obviously Ooh, okay and i don't love the way logan logan is portrayed in the books mm. <laughs> they made me ryan's adorable in the show they yes, made him yeah. great on the show this is not about show logan this is about <laughs> og book logan book but logan. tell tell me what do you think about logan bruno and okay. is he the best boy in the BSC universe? And if not, who is the best boy in the in the BSC universe? I have to say, I am really glad that you guys think that he's not the best in the books either, because I was so nervous when he asked that question. I was like, oh, shoot, they're going to be so upset with me because I don't like him in the books. I just think he's just, no, like just one of the, some of the things that he does and some of the actions that he makes. I'm like, why? Just why? For just Marianne, why? Exactly. That's exactly right, Malia. hundred percent. And with Marianne specifically, especially when they have a whole like surprise party and like 
Yes. He's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, do you know her at all? What is going on? Um, but yes, Logan in the books is not my favorite. Logan in the show, I feel like we go through some things that um, kind of make our bond even stronger and some things that was more of a realization moment that, hey, maybe this isn't the best look. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I feel like, like reading was- people's cues and like yeah, paying exactly. attention to what they say. Yeah, right. hundred percent. Yeah. But yes, I'm not a huge fan of Logan in the books in the show. Another story, but I agree with you guys completely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite boy from the books? Oh, that's a good question. Mm, I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite boy from the books. Aha, uh-huh. I haven't read the, like, the boy scenes in a really long time. I'm usually just like, oh my God, summer camp. This is so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I feel like with the boys, I really like Sam and Stacy. Mm-hmm. I just think it's more wholesome than a lot of the other relationships where it's more complicated. I don't like Christie's boy. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Oh, Bart Taylor. Bart I Taylor. love Bart. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, made her crush on Bart. Yeah, understandably so. He plays three different kinds of guitar. Like what? (laughs) All kinds, all kinds of guitar, Emily. Exactly. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought he specified three. No, all kinds. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Okay, good. Well, we're glad you agree. Yeah, no, that was some of the other updates that we were the happiest about. We were really Mm -hmm. nervous about. Logan and so it was like oh yeah and the other thing I think that's great of how they wrote him and how Ryan who plays him plays it is that they he's also like actually 13 like 13 year old boys are not like Logan does some things in the book where I'm like are you like 26 like why are you like what is this This is not a there's no 13 year old boy on the planet that would do these behaviors that you're doing (laughs) and so like Ryan being awkward or like answering Sharon's question about his love language with English. It was just like, yes, that so is good. There we go. Boy yeah. right. mm-hmm. That's representation and it's full. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so we heard on your interview on the Kelly Clarkson show, which was adorable by the way. And I'm, I'm Gen X. So I already know that I'm old, but Emily now knows that she's old as well. Since oh my God. Hassan <laughs> Minaj and Kelly made you tell them that you were, they were old. Um, but it's okay. It doesn't apply to me. It was a slip of the tongue. Okay, guys? It wasn't purposeful. <laughs> they are old. It's fine. Welcome aboard. Um, but we heard uh, that your mom gave you one year, basically, to make it as an actor because there was too much carpooling, which I have I have mm-hmm. daughters that are 13 and 11, so I can definitely um, relate. Can you tell us a little bit about that negotiation and, and <laughs> what that was like? Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of negotiating, I'm going to be honest. Like, it was a full-on <laughs> sit-down. I want to become an actor here's a PowerPoint presentation, how I'm going to do it and how you can help me. It was like a big <laughs> ad. I'm going to be honest. Um, I, yeah. I, it's also very Marianne. It's yeah. very Marianne of me. I'm going to be frank. Okay. Um, but with, uh, with acting and being in Vancouver for that, um, it was, she gave me a year and that year I just worked really hard to try to get the roles that I did. I worked on the flash and a million little things, which she was a big fan of um, at that time. And so she was fangirling on set with me, which was a super cool bonding experience with her. And I can't imagine anyone else being on the ride with me better than my mom. I mean, I'm going to be honest, we're kind of like a Lorelai and Rory duo when it comes <laughs> if you've watched Gilmore Girls, that's pretty much how we are. Um, but yeah, I should give me a year to the day. And to that day, I booked the Babysitter's Club. And from there, it was wow. just, wow, I was so happy because we were talking about it like a week previous, like, I'm sorry, Emily, I'm going to have to cut the plug. And I'm like, okay, we made a deal. I got to honor it. I'm going to be truthful. But here we are. It did not turn out that way. Thank God. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a journey and a story I wouldn't trade for anything else. That's that's amazing. I also like that your mom was just like, "This is a, I can only give so much." Like, let's I know. Out. Let's, she I, tried. I, I okay, it. she I really did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I we talked with this a little bit about this with Momo as well, but um, I I really love how emotions are portrayed in this series, which mm. is not the case with a lot of things I watch on television, especially with teenagers. Yeah. So I get very frustrated with our like general cultural narrative about teenagers that they're either flighty or crazy or, or both. And that, you know, not what they are, which is complex human beings. Right. Right. Um, And I think, uh, you know, mental health more broadly and emotions are portrayed really, really well in the show. And you in particular got to do some really nice scenes 
um, with both seasons with Mark Evan Jackson as Richard, mm-hmm. and then especially with Mamona in the grief scene with me sure. when Mimi dies this season. Um, so how do you prep for those emotional moments? And I, you know, you're doing such an important thing of modeling that it's okay to have this wide range of emotions. Um, for so sure. how do you, what's, what's your process like? For sure. Yeah. Well, I feel like looking at mainstream media and how they portray emotions, like you said, there's always just kind of that um, unauthenticity that goes into it. And I feel like it's not relatable in a whole sense of there is a lot of ugly moments and it's not all going to be perfect and pretty. And that's understandable. You're going through something. And I feel like with the babysitters club, we get to fully portray that and get to project that in our full trueness. Um, But throughout the first and second season, those scenes with Mark specifically Those Mm -hmm. are our first scenes together. Like every single season, we go into the most emotional scenes at the start. And it's not purposeful at like whatsoever. We'd much rather go into a scene that where it's full of lighthearted laughs. Um, But the first time I saw Mark in like two years, that was that one scene where I'm like screaming and crying about Logan and we're bawling our eyes out together. And that's how we went into it. We went into it like five minutes before catching up and hugging and talking. And then five minutes later, we're there, a sobbing mess on the floor with snot running down our faces. Um, it's there. There's ugly moments, but I feel like with this group of people specifically, I'm in. I'm able to have a safe space. And with Momo in that second season scene, that one was my all-time favorite to film. I nothing can compare to that. And I'm just so grateful I got to share that space with her. She's in, incredibly talented, as we all know. So it was just. It was truly an honor. It's amazing. As Mark, Evan, Mark Evan Jackson. Oh my God, I love him so much. And I, I just love him as Richard so much when they announced, you know, when he like- It's so perfect. Announced himself as I think I saw it on Instagram first before anything else. And I was just like, of course you are. Of course you're mm-hmm. Richard Spears. Just like one of the best moments of casting ever in life. So- A hundred percent. I completely yeah. agree. I've been watching his work for a long time. I mean- uh, what is it? The Good Place, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh. Those are shows yeah. that I'm like, oh my god, they're my favorite. And I had a full on freak out when I figured out it was him on the first season. I was in a fitting, and I just remember completely running out of the room. And I'm like, oh my god, finally, yes, please. Yeah. Um, it was just so cool and so him playing Richard. I think is just spot on. Yeah, fantastic. Do you have a favorite filmed episode? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like my my favorite filmed episode would have to be in the first season, the last the last two episodes, just because they're so, it felt like I was at camp with my best friends. And Mm -hmm. those are the memories that I will hold dear to my heart for a very long time. We, the scene where we're taking Polaroids and like, we were, we had to take that scene a lot. And because it was, it was, I mean, we were in Vancouver, it was raining. It was not Mm -hmm. that warm. Shorts. Okay. There was hot (laughs) packs between them. All right. There was absolutely no way we were doing that. We were freezing. Um, But that scene is, particular we got to take on polaroids and um we shot it all in order so that was one of our last scenes together and that mm-hmm. last group hug we were all crying by the end of it um so i feel like that one has been my favorite so far awesome, awesome. that makes sense that it's also your one your favorite book off, right off the top of your yeah, head. yeah exactly <laughs> do you have a favorite like wild bsc plot line like either from the show or from the books yeah. Ooh, what's a wild BSC plotline? I feel like anything that has Karen involved, she is going to be wild. <laughs> yes. Okay. Even yeah. that Sophia, the actor, she is the most insane kid I've ever met. Like she yeah. can go from being straight faced and talking about ghosts to the next minute, like cracking jokes and pretending that never happened. It's so natural. And I'm like, what the hell? No, yeah. no, it's so creepy. She's like this chat. Oh my God. Such like, a perfect Karen. We were yeah. so, it, so it's wowed by her performance. On. Yeah, it spot on. Like every single tape, she brought it and I could not imagine it going another way. It was just perfect. And I feel like honestly, any story with her in, within the first season or the second season or even the books, that storyline, it just has my heart. Yeah. Well, well, this is funny. Okay, so she's very much like Karen, it sounds like, and you're very much a Marianne, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Are there are there cast members who are not like their characters at all, or who is the most and least like their characters? Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're all insanely similar to our characters. <laughs> like, I'm going to be honest. Our first audition together as the group, I remember um Sochi who plays Don she brought crystals in her pockets and I was like what the heck no get away this is a little too accurate (laughs) Sophie who plays Christy she brought her own baseball cap and she refused to take it off during the audition I was like okay 
let's calm ourselves for a second. I was freaking out in the corner, so nervous. And I was timidly <laughs> looking around. I was like, I wish I was with my cats. And I was like, that's the most Marianne thing I could have said at that moment. Um, you know, I've already shared the story of Shay and Momo who were sharing their shoes. And I just feel like having this cast and our dynamic on screen is the exact same way it is off screen. And throughout this, I continue, it just progresses and continues. So my goodness, I would definitely say we're all insanely similar. That's so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's I wonder too, thought. like the characters are such archetypes for like, you know, girls and, you know, from Esme's generation through mm -hmm. to now that it's like, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to even think of a friend who isn't at least one of them in some 100%. way, you know? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so with that, we, you know, you guys had to, they had to find two Dawns. You know, we really mm -hmm. loved both Sochi and Kendra. It was great this season as well. We were nervous because we love Sochi so much and 100%. she totally rose to the occasion. But it must have been a little hard for her to fill Sochi's shoes. Like, how did you all as a cast deal with the transition? And how did you and the other girls make Kendra feel at home? Yeah, so Kendra is actually a lot like Marianne in a lot of ways as well. So she had her moments where, of course, she was going to be nervous. I, I The funny, the most amazing part was is that um, throughout filming, I mean, throughout her audition process of the second season, um, we got to be there the entire time. We got to see some of her tapes. We got to see her callback. And then through the final audition, we got to finally meet her and then pick her out of a few chosen few um, and then that final audition, she thought she was just going to like meet some of us again and see the producers. But we got to tell her that she was part of like, do you want to join the club? That's exactly mm -hmm. how we said it. And there's this fun video of that. And mm -hmm. I just remember us all crying because we were on the other side of it this time. This is exactly how we were told throughout the first season. I'm getting chills thinking about it now. It was just so fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like stepping into another person's role, especially a role that's so iconic, is going to be scary and nerve wracking. Of course, and especially with a group that's always so tight knit, um, mm -hmm. and a group of middle school girls were crying out loud. That's right. terrifying. Are you kidding me? Totally. Um, so we all just wanted to be as welcoming as possible. We wanted to make her have that home that BSC is for us, um, because being a part of a club means that you are a part of this club, and even if you leave it at some point, you're still going to be part of it. We're a family at the end of the day. We're a chosen one. So um, I just wanted to make sure that she's okay. And I remember texting her. Um, throughout filming the second season, just wanted to check in, like, how are you feeling about this? Do you need any help with anything at all? Um, but not making sure that I'm suffocating her in any way, because that's also <laughs> another fear. There's so many factors. You just need to do it the right way all the time. And it's terrifying. <laughs> um, but I feel like at the end of the day, Kendra did it perfectly. I mean, I feel like a lot of people expected her to just replicate Sochi's portrayal mm. of Dawn. And I feel like that's one of the most nerve wracking things. It's yeah. not getting it exactly like that actor. But that's the thing about acting is that you're all so authentic and so individual that you need to do it other ways. And I feel like Kenji was able to do that perfectly. And throughout the second season, yeah, we've just grown super close. I visited her in New York recently, actually. I got to spend a week with her. And so I, I think she's the perfect addition. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it must have been nice that she, they didn't have her do that scene where she tricks Marianne into thinking that there's a ghost in the passage. So she moves Thank out you. of the room. That's yeah. exactly what I said. Okay. I talked to the writers and everything. I'm like, you better not do it. Don't you dare. Please mm -mm. don't make Dawn gaslight Marianne. No, like, please. I was like, don't yeah. even start it. Okay. We just got close. Do not. Yeah. Emily identifies strongly as a Dawn. And when we got to that plot, she was <laughs> like, am I a terrible person? Am I a sociopath? Some, I don't understand. Yeah. Some of the Dawn plots in the book have been very challenging for me with my sure. identity. <laughs> um, well, actually, speaking of that, have you have you noticed any difference between the way that like different generations of girls who are fans of the BSC have kind of responded to the show? Oh, 100%. I've gotten mm -hmm. the fortune of talking to so many generations who have loved the show. Thankfully, I mean, I'm really glad people love the show. I was nervous about it at the start. There's always that kind of expectation when you already have a fan base for something that um, the standards are going to be like through the roof high. And so um, it seems like we were able to meet some people and some people not so much, but um, doing the show has been a blast. And so um, the people that have watched the show, there's been moms and aunties and friends like that, um, kind of the generation that grew up with the books, like my mom. Um, I just remember them all DMing me on Instagram and I would secretly read them. And I was like, yes, we did it. And then there's mm -hmm. going to be some other moments where they're like, you got this wrong in the books. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. I don't <laughs> write them. I'll talk to them. Um, but yeah, there's just some other moments. 
Um, but with the younger generation, I thought it's been the most interesting. Um, my little sister included, she watched the show. She wasn't on set with filming with us. So it was like when she watched it the first time, she was completely oblivious as to what was to happen. She had read the graphic novels. And so she mm. would already had kind of that expectation. And I feel like the graphic novels are kind of reintroducing it to a lot of the younger generation of people in particular. Um, so I'm so happy with that because they're amazing books and storylines and the show, I hopefully will be able to continue that. Um, but it seems as though they are able to like recognize and appreciate and everything's so normalized now. Um, the fact that like the first season of um, Marianne's episode, when she's talking to Bailey and she gets uh, misgendered in the hospital, that mm-hmm. seems to be so normal, like so normalized to them at that young age. And so they grow up with that being exposed and being able to kind of follow in Marianne's footsteps, which I feel like is the goal. And just being able to kind of fill that it's it's been so much fun and it just it's makes me so happy for the next generation that they're able to kind of have these role models these young entrepreneurial girls it's it's just so much fun we loved that that Jenny Preziosa was updated to Bailey mm-hmm. Bailey yeah. Delvecchio completely yeah. agree yeah. so mm-hmm. good so good well and i think you know what's really interesting you know you mentioned their role of entrepreneurship and we talk about that a lot as we analyze the books um and sort of the what i've really liked that the writers have done and we talked a little bit uh, with Rachel Schuchert about this as well is that, um, you know, sneaking in those critiques of capitalism, because of course mm. the books came out in the eighties and the early nineties and they're very much like, yay, capitalism. For <laughs> sure. Like, I completely like, agree. Very like get them dollar bills. Like that, that's <laughs> great. Good job. That means that that is the definition of empowerment. And I think sure. there's still something empowering about that. And it is still a business the way it's written in the show. And there's a lot of good critique and discussion often coming from Dawn, but from, from all of the girls about what that means and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what are your obligations to your community and, you know, not just like straight ahead as much money as you can make is fabulous. A hundred percent. I completely agree. So Malia, do you babysit? I do babysit, which is why it's so much fun being able to be able to be one on screen too. It was funny, the kids that I babysat before I booked the show, um, I had student taught for a while. So they all had referred to me as like Miss Malia. I thought it was the (laughs) cutest thing ever. And I was so excited. I love kids. So it felt like we were kind of babysitting the kids that were on set as well, which is super fun because we were we're practically all babysitters in real life as well. So I was like, why don't we just like form a club or something? That's crazy. Um, Side yeah, hustle. Throughout yeah. the first, exactly. Throughout the first season, um, I went back to babysitting once um, the show came out and the kids just said, Marianne. And it was just this big so moment funny. of, you need to braid your hair. Okay. I'm not accepting Malia anymore. You are Marianne <laughs> while you're babysitting me. Do you understand? I'm like, okay, gotcha. Um, Wait, but I yeah. have to work t- double. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I do babysit in short. Who do you think your favorite sitting charge from Stony Brook would be? Oh, I don't know. I'd love to babysit Bailey. That would be so much fun. This is Del Vecchio. That would be really cool. But what else? I think... Ooh, what's the Pike Kids? I feel like that mm-hmm. would be so the, fun. You, yeah, that would yeah. be Classic. chaotic, yeah. but it would be so fun at the same time. It'd be like the perfect Stony Brook experience you could get, and being a part of that would be fantastic. Yeah, I feel like the Perkins girls for me. Mm, oh, understandable. Yeah. You're yeah. into the Perkinses. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> a baby, and yeah. the two girls are like really fun, but they're not too wild. Like True. that's, yeah. that's my idea. Like precocious and and cute Uh will say funny things that you can text your friends and then Uh also you get mostly I'm just holding the baby yeah yeah very very true that's ideal for Emily yeah I don't know I think I'd like the challenge of the Rodowski boys like that like you would 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 do that to yourself Esme, what? (laughs) I love how shocked you are wow I feel it's it's not boring Like, you know, there'd be something inside. They seem like they're they're all sweet. They just, you know, Jackie, Jackie has his problems. Yeah, that wasn't convincing, but whatever, whatever helps you get to sleep at night. All right. I'll be there for you with that decision. (laughs) Okay. I'll support it. Okay. I appreciate it. I respect it. Uh, you literally chose the pikes, Malia. Okay, it's, not like, it's not like that's no chaos. You have your own redheaded chaos that you chose. And I, mine only has three. Very true. <laughs> well, I can't say anything. You're right. I have no room to speak. 
Yeah, but aside from like broken windows, the triplets pretty much watch themselves. True. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And then like the the girls aren't that rowdy. Yeah, but you have to be called a silly Billy Goo Goo a thousand times. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Fun little nicknames. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, Malia, you know, Babysitter's Club, what is so great about it, I think, the original books and the new series, we won't we won't speak of other adaptations here, mm-hmm. um, is that I think <laughs> it's really wonderful at conveying life lessons without being too heavy-handed. I think... Right. You know, Most of the, the time. <laughs> well, I think the novels are a little heavy handed, but it feels less heavy handed in a novel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it's a novel and it's like the right. solitaire experience and you're in it. Whereas if you took those words directly to the screen, it would feel really heavy handed, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think the adaptation, the Netflix adaptation does that really beautifully of having mm-hmm. the life lessons, but not um, it doesn't feel like a. 80s after school special. special. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So what, um, you know, what life lessons do you feel like you've taken from the experience, either of being an actor more generally, it could be from your other work as well, Mm -hmm. or from the Babysitter's Club specifically? Yeah, for sure. I mean, life lessons on screen, I feel like even playing those roles and playing those scenes in particular, um, when you're in that character and you have the reaction already set out for you, you can make it your own in the fact that like, oh my God, wait, like this, this writer is totally right. I'm going to do this in real life as well. Um, and they're just kind of those kind of life lessons that you learn from the character. And although like the audience and I will learn it in a different way, I'll read it from the script and then learn it while I'm acting it out. And the audience will learn it while they're watching Marianne and not Malia. Um, I feel like it's one of the same. And it's just a pretty cool experience, especially with every script I read. There's always that something that I'm able to draw from it and say, I want to apply this to my life. I want to have this kind of in the background of my mind playing 24 seven. So I'm able to feel okay with myself. Um, But then there's also things like being on set and being with these amazing, talented humans, like um, Mark Feuerstein, who played um, Watson on the first season. I just remember him saying, it was like the first conversation we'd ever met. And it was like an hour long because we were waiting to get on set. Um, But he was just saying repeatedly, like, I love this job, but the second I stop learning things, it's the second I'm going to find something new. Because if I'm not learning something 24-7 or I'm not learning something new each day, then maybe it's time to let someone else learn it. And maybe I'll be a mentor for someone else and try to um, give that to someone else. And then on this new set I'm on, I just remember um, Staz, who plays this great character, which I'm so excited for you guys to meet. But um, there's this one, and he's just been saying, like, yeah, as much as the process of giving and like learning and acting and putting that out to the world, um, it benefits you as much as giving it to someone else and trying to have that experience into someone else. And um, just those little things like that. I'm probably butchering the way that they formatted it, but still, I'm going to, I'm trying to say it eloquently. Um, but you yeah, sound they, great. Thank you. Thank you. That's me. I appreciate Works it. beautifully. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that, those are just little things like that. And being in this arena and in this industry, we're able to meet so many different people behind or in front of the screen. It's, it's learning. It's, it's learning and it's just growing and it's a beautiful process. I love that. I think that always learning is definitely like a theme of the Babysitter's yeah. Club too. Right? 100%. Totally. Like- mm-hmm. You make mistakes along the way, but you get there. Yeah, I mean, it's okay mistakes, right? Like, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's that's it for our hard-hitting journalism questions. Now we just have some <laughs> fun stuff for you. <laughs> uh, do you, have, you mentioned that you live on a farm. Do you have some, you have some animal, you have cats. Do you have other animals? Do you, what, what kind mm-hmm. of pets do you have around there? Yeah, I used to have some horses and I respected them so much that I kept a very long distance away from them but um they're they're gone (laughs) they're gone now um but I have two dogs and two cats I love them to death I miss them very much right now but yes no farm animals I have llamas across the street from me which is pretty fun to wake up to yeah that's exciting do they make noises they definitely do. They're so and loud. They're you know so that? loud no. in the middle of the night, too. And it's so obnoxious for what reason? Um, but yes, they, they're there. They make noises. They like to be known. Oh, right. Emily, yeah. you grew up near llamas as well. Um, yeah. yeah, my my friend Molly lived next door to a llama farm. And we used to really? climb the fence and go hang out with them. They were very, they're, yeah, very loud. <laughs> Just to clarify about horses gone, we had this caregiver that used to take care of the horses. And she decided that she loved them so much that she took them to her own home, which is totally understandable. And they're being loved and cared for to this day. So they're all awesome. good, I promise. <laughs> good. 
Very cool. Very cool. Do you have a favorite subject in school? No. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I Sorry, I just heard the word school and I was like, sign me out. No, I was trying to escape this. All right. This is not okay. Um, but my favorite subject, I'm, I think I'm more history slash English smart compared to math and science. It's not my typical strong arena, math especially. Maybe it's just because of pre-calc. I don't know why someone decided to do that to poor innocent minds like myself. That is just <laughs> torture in itself. Um, but yeah, I think history and English are my complete favorites. I am falling in love with them every day. We are big fans of the humanities on this podcast. Yeah. So Fantastic. that is okay. You're in safe territory. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, we have we have some fun fill in the blanks here. Fun. Okay. What was the last thing you watched on TV? Oh, um, what was the last thing I watched on TV? I think it was New Girl, that show. Nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, <laughs> a classic. Um, the last song you listened to? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. I think it was Wildfire by Moses Campbell. <laughs> what about the last person you texted? Last person? I think it's Shay, who plays Stacey. We're very, <laughs> nice. very close in real life. So I think it was her. Nice. What was the last book you read? Ooh, I'm reading this book right now. It's called, uh, it's not, it's not even a book. It's the selected, selected essays of Michelle de Montien. And it's really, really good. I, I love it. It's this 1500s philosopher and he's been fantastic. Yes, we are we are familiar with Montaigne on this podcast. <gasps> you are. Oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm so happy right now. Yeah. I haven't met anyone who's read them yet, so you just made my day. <laughs> you are talking to a political theorist, so <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, how much is Emily going to gush right now that she just said that? <laughs> this is very good. Um, I, I'm glad to know that young people are still reading his work and finding it important. Oh, trust me, it was a hard find. But yes, you have me. I'm on your side. <laughs> Um, what about the last podcast you listened to? Probably your guys's. I do <laughs> research. Yeah, exactly. I was like, not to make you guys blush or anything, but yes, I was needed the research and you guys are fantastic. So I just needed to. Oh, Amazing. Thank you so much. So baby Search club, you cannot talk about baby Search club without talking about junk food is very true. central very to true. the whole oeuvre of um, Stony Brook. So we're going to ask you a kind of this or that, and you have to tell us what you prefer in this cool. list of junk food okay and you'll get to we, we did the same thing for momo and shay so you can Ooh. compare your answers and have debates. oh my god it. okay, okay. <laughs> just to up the pressure a little bit the group chat is okay. gonna be raging after this yeah. all right okay <laughs> doritos or cheetos doritos cake or pie Ooh, pie right mm-hmm. answer twinkies or ring dings <laughs> Ooh, ah twinkies now, the secret Sorry. right answer to that one is neither. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Oh, no. Twinkies is good. Uh, Starburst or Skittles? Oh, uh, Skittles. Gummy worms or Sour Patch Kids? Sour Patch Kids. Nice. Kit Kat or Twix? Oh, that's really, really hard. I think, I think Kit Kat. Stick with that kind of classic arena. Okay. okay. Oreos or Thin Mints? Oh my God, why are you guys being so mean to me? Okay, okay. Oreos, I think. I really, this is all, these are the hardest questions so far, okay? The pressure is on. Oreos, I'm going to stick with it. Plain M&Ms or peanut M&Ms? Peanut M&Ms. Okay. Pizza or burritos? Pizza, 100%. Red vines or Twizzlers? Twizzlers. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's because it's because she's Canadian. She True. Not, yeah. I was don't like, blame I don't, we have an ongoing like hypothesis that that question is not about preference. It's about it's regional. It yeah. 110% is. Yeah. 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 She said red vines because she's a Californian like us. She is so, a Californian. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Exactly. Yeah. OK. Do you do you have a favorite junk food that we didn't mention? And, no. and or like cool Canadian ones that we may not know about. Oh, cool Canadian ones we may not know about. That is a good question. We have this one called Smarties and that one is so good. It's just these, I don't know if you guys, I don't think you guys do, but it's these um, chocolate and then these candy covered things. And I love them. And there's also- Yeah, they're like M&Ms, but better, right? Yeah, they are. They yeah. Wait, so they're not are. like the Smarties that no, we have that are like Smarties no. sweethearts? No, like we call those rockets. Yeah. yeah, we call them rockets. <laughs> Yeah, so, I know, right? Uh-huh. You, Malia, do you know why I know what Smarties are? There's like a really no. famous, there's a really famous developmental psychology study um, called About the Smarties, Smarties? Smarties versus Pencils Test because this um, Canadian psychologist, Alison Gopnik, did it with children because 
it was, it would, cause Smarties come in like a cylinder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she wanted to see if kids could hold in their mind that something is not as you expect it to be. And so she t- took little tiny kids at different ages and showed them the Smarties box and asked them what's inside. And they said candy. And then she'd open it and it would actually be pencils inside and she'd close it again. And I don't remember exactly where the cutoff is, but like around five or six, the kids mm-hmm. will know that it's pencils. But when they're younger, they'll just say candy, even though they just saw yeah. it was pencils inside. That's so interesting. interesting. Oh my God. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So Smarties have a really important spot in developmental psychology. Obviously. As well as being yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so, my mind was blown by that revelation. So. <laughs> So speaking of, I know we're pretty much out of time, but do you have any questions for us for, you know, given that you're into Montaigne uh, for the feminist political theorist or for Mm -hmm. me as a teen psychologist? Yeah, I think I do have to ask which essays do you have like a suggested essays that you have for Montaigne? Because I've been looking into his work and I'm just still trying to find like, what should I go with first? So he, a lot of people write about him as important for kind of early conceptions of freedom, but different Mm -hmm. from the way that like the later liberals constructed it as sort of rooted in property. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd have to, you know what, let me, let me put together my top hits and we'll, we'll hit you up on Instagram. How's that sound? So much. That makes me so happy. You have no idea. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) This tickles me to no end. I'm very pleased. Um, okay, so before we sign out, do you want to tell us about any projects you're working on or something we should keep an eye out for in the future, aside from hopefully many seasons of the Babysitter's Club? <laughs> yes, hopefully many, many seasons of the Babysitter's Club. But yes, I have this new project called Caught in His Web, produced by Whoopi Goldberg on Lifetime. That should come out next year sometime, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, but also Harvest Moon, produced by Paul Bettany, who I have the honor of working with, along with Carmen Jogo, um, Candace Bergen, and Mr. Dana Brown, along with Mark Waters. and that should come out sometime next year. I could be lying through my teeth right now, but um, one of the two. And yeah, I'm just excited for you guys to see what's coming. Beautiful. Okay, so we end every episode of our show with a pizza toast. Is there anything kind of on your mind right now or in your in your world that you would like us to pizza toast to? Oh my God, I love pizza toast, but no, I'm okay. Please, let's do yours. <laughs> Um, I want to pizza toast to uh, Malia's reading list, which I'm very impressed by. Very fourteen year old. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we could also pizza toast to like a cause that you're championing at the moment. If you want to do something like that, totally. I'll pizza toast to she's the first. Awesome. Okay. Well, a pizza toast to she's the first. To she's the first. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us, Malia. This was a blast. And I'm glad Thank that you. you were able to take over the business center. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Thank yeah. you both so much. Okay, and as Malia, we're such an honor to speak to. I had the best time. Thank you. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for. <laughs>